let's take the scenario where you have someone who credit personal credit isn't good and they want to start a company and they want to get business funding. Uh, how do they go? And then on the other side, let's take somebody who has a, you know, a great credit score uh, in the business and they want to start a business, but they haven't started yet. What avenues would each one of these people take to be able to get funding and then kind of give me an idea of what they can expect? How much money could they get? Okay, so in the first scenario, if you your personal credit isn't up to par, but you're saying you already have an established business? Or no, neither one of them have the business. Okay. Um, man, for me, it always starts with personal credit. Like, get okay. your personal credit in order. Like, and really, I think the important thing to understand is that nothing on that thing is permanent, like on your credit report. Like, every anything that's on there can actually be removed. Okay. Now, does that mean that the debt <laughs> goes away? Yeah. No, like, it's not a magic trick. Like, uh -huh. you have to understand that. But, um, Anything that's on your personal credit can be removed. And I'm, I mean, like bankruptcy, like anything can be removed from your report. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but how? Because I, I hear that all the time. I hear like, man, you can take these things off your credit report. And I'm thinking, but you actually have that debt. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not a magic trick. I'm not okay. saying that the debt, the debt or alleged debt is going away. Okay. But, okay, so the FCRA, um, the Fair Reporting Credit Act, Okay, requires okay. that the information on your credit report is accurate. Okay. Now, if you were from as far as bankruptcy is concerned, if you were to look at a credit report of someone that has bankruptcy, it'll say so. Like for here, it'll say um, U.S. Bankruptcy Court, Memphis, something, something, and then it'll be like whatever your bankruptcy number is. Okay. And then if you take the step of sending a letter to that bankruptcy court and asking, do you report to? Um, the credit reporting agencies, they're going to send you back a letter that says no. Okay. So they're sending you back a letter that says no, but your report says they reported it. Mm. That's inaccurate information okay. because they weren't the ones that reported that. Gotcha. And according to the FCRA, inaccurate information has to be removed. Yo, what's going on, Equity Chasers? Listen, I know you guys are enjoying the episode. Real quick, I know that you guys have already subscribed to the channel, so that's not why I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you guys because we have some major things that we're gonna be rolling out. So what I need you to do is pause the video, go down to the description. Right above the description of the video, you're gonna see a link. That link is gonna give you access to our email list. I need you to subscribe. So when we roll out some of these things, you'll be one of the few that can get into the room. What are we gonna roll out? We're gonna be opening up our studios this summer. We're gonna be letting you guys come in. We're gonna be letting you guys watch us record live. We also have some live events planned. We have a lot of things that we're gonna be rolling out for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to take your business, your game to the next level this summer. You're gonna to wanna to hit that email list and tap in. So look, let's do this. Let's get back to the video. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Equity Tab Network. Listen, I am excited about this interview. Uh, you guys kind of know we've been shifting the conversation. We've been exposing you guys to entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurship, more so the mindset of entrepreneurs. But now we're shifting into financial literacy. How do we take that mindset and now monetize it? So I'm excited. I have a special guest with me, Ms. Kalia. Uh, actually, my co-host, Alton, you guys know us from the tap-in that we bring to you guys on Friday. This is his sister-in-law, so... 
she is in the uh, financial services, so we're going to dive into personal credit. We're going to dive into business credit. We're going to teach you guys how do you set yourself up to be bankable uh, and all of this good stuff. So I'm excited about this conversation. Miss Kalia, could you do me a favor? Give me your 30-second elevator pitch. Let people kind of know who you are. Um, so most of my career has actually been in sales, outside sales, inside sales for fairly large companies. Okay. Um, but eventually I ended up working for myself, which is what I do now in the credit space. Okay. So I teach people about personal credit, business credit, and also have some educational platforms. So I have two eBooks. Wow. Okay. Um, I do a lot of credit tips on social media. So just trying to educate people as much as possible about the credit space. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, I did a deep dive about a year ago. So I was a, I ran a small uh, screen printing company for about a decade. And when I sold that company, I was sitting still. And that's one of the things I wanted to dive into because I hear a lot of people on social media getting these business uh, credit cards, getting business funding and things like that. And that was just one thing that I didn't know a lot about. So with the time on my hand, I started studying and let me tell you, it is a endless rabbit trail. It is confusing. It is. So how did you get into it? Um, honestly, it was by necessity. Um, okay. I didn't have the greatest credit when I needed it. Mm -hmm. um, and it really forced me to learn as much about credit as possible. I was going to workshops. I joined mentorships. I was reading books. Like everything I could learn possibly about credit, okay. I was putting my hands on it. Um, and then after I figured out how to fix my own credit. Uh -huh. I started doing some people around me, got good at it, uh, started a business from that. And then I just tried to, to develop as many products as possible to help other people in that space. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Um, and as in the African-American community, that's one of the things that we just don't know a lot about. Uh, and you see people start businesses and things like that. And then we go to the bank and we say, hey, I got this cool business idea. I got this business plan. Give me a hundred thousand. <laughs> and you get the denial. So once we're talking to entrepreneurs, so what type of steps would you tell them to, you know, start to look at in order to make themselves more bankable? Um, it starts from your business name and the industry you want to go in. Some okay. um, industries are considered high risk. Like technically, credit repair is considered high risk. Okay. Uh, trucking. Um, there are several industries that a bank is going to be a little hesitant when it comes to offering you money. So you want to think about that when you're trying to figure out what to name your business. Okay. Um, and then just taking those basic steps of making sure you have the EIN, uh, making sure you have a DUNS number, uh, actually getting an address, not using your home address, but um, possibly... So, like, for me, I use Regis. It's $50 okay. a month. Um, okay. Because when I went to Chase, the lady asked me, she said, is this a P.O. box? And yeah, I said, yeah, no, yeah. ma'am. And she Googled it. Like, she mm. looked it up to make sure that I was telling the truth. And it is an actual office in downtown New Orleans. Okay. So, um, you know, your address, your phone number, all those things play a part. And I know in the beginning, you may not have as much money, uh -huh. so you're trying to cut costs. But even if you use Google Voice, that's not your regular cell phone number. Okay. You know, just taking those steps to make yourself look as professional as possible. Got it. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. We're going to have to unpack this. <laughs> Let me rewind a little bit. You said uh, high risk. Explain it to me. What What is high risk industry? Um. So, like, let's say trucking, for example. It's high okay. risk because you have a driver. They can have a wreck, so you have oh, to have okay. insurance. Um, there are multiple levels of things that could go wrong in that space. Okay. Um, actually, real estate is considered high risk also just hmm. because maybe not even the house itself, but you can see what's going on like with the economy. Yeah, There's so true. many unpredictable things that okay. the bank doesn't want to be held responsible for. 
Um, so you want to be strategic with how you name your business so that you're not blocked into that space and then you okay. can't receive the funding. So if you're, if you're a real estate agent or if you're in the trucking industry, of course you want funding for your business. So how do you get around not being high risk? Is it certain insurances that you put in place? Well, when you're in real estate, uh, you have to have insurance anyway, okay. but um, just naming it, just naming it. So like I spoke to a lady yesterday that needs business funding. And she actually does remodeling for real estate, but her business name is Design Consulting. Okay. So it's it's kind of vague. Uh, one of my businesses is called Southern Regime Ventures. It's also kind okay. of vague, even though it does do credit education. Uh-huh. Um, I don't do a deep, deep dive into, hey, we're doing this, this, and this with credit repair. Um, so it allows me some wiggle room as far as banking. Okay, okay. So if I'm understanding this correctly... The way you name your company can you can go into the bank and if you don't name your company based on these high risk industries that allows you to be more bankable. Correct. Okay, and then you mentioned the PO box. Tell me a little bit more about that. Um, Why don't banks want want you to have a PO box? I thought that was kind of the safe way to go. Well, the banks want you to have a actual physical business address, um, okay. and they really deter you from using your home address. And they will also ask you, "Hey, is this your house?" Um, and for one, that's also a safety issue, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. want, um, well, anybody can go into the Secretary of State and look up your business. You don't want them knowing where yeah, you live, yeah. especially if you have like a disgruntled um, employee or mm-hmm. a customer. So those are, you know, safety barriers that you want to have. Okay. Um, but, you know, it doesn't cost that much to get one of those offices uh, signed up as a um is a mailbox, not not the PO box, but like like I said, for Regis, mm-hmm. it's fifty dollars a month for me for the office that I use. Um, actually, have two businesses. Pull this just a little bit closer. Sorry, there you go. No, you're fine. I actually have two businesses um, that I pay for out of their office, um, but it just provides a more professional setup for my okay. LLCs. So Regions, I remember when um, when I started my company back in Nashville, I had a Regions office, and it was just more so to do meetings because I ran my company yeah. out of the garage. And then uh, if I was taking on a client, of course, I didn't want to invite them over to the house. So I just had a small office over there where I could meet in like the common area. Mm-hmm. So the regions, that's what you're talking about, like these co-working spaces, you yeah. just get a, okay. Yeah. And then um, you utilize that address for your business. Yeah. It's called a virtual address. So you can okay. use it uh, for just an address or they do provide like conference rooms or other accommodations if you need that. So Okay. Cool deal. So get your name right. Yeah. Get you a virtual office. And then did you mention something about uh, like your phone number or something like that? Yeah, phone okay. number too. Uh, most of the time you don't want to use just your personal cell phone number. I know in real estate that that is a comfortable space. Yeah. I was a realtor for a little while. Okay. I get it. Um, but you also want to have, you want to separate it as much as possible. So if you can have another number for your business, that would be great. And like mm-hmm. you said, I use uh, Google Voice as an example because it's free. Okay. So it's not costing you any additional money. Got it, got it. So, okay, this is all starting to make sense. So the bank looks at the the, the business, the, the the company, as an actual entity. And if you set it up separately from yourself, that makes you a little bit more bankable, if I'm understanding that yes. correctly. Okay, cool. So how does that affect, like, personal credit when it comes to business credit? Does it have anything to do with it? Or can you just go in, get business credit based off of the business by itself? Well, they're both separate profiles. Now, in my opinion, I think you should make sure that your personal profile is set up correctly okay. and then start to go for business credit because, in my opinion, it makes the process a lot easier. Got it. Now, can you just build out your business profile 
Um, yeah, you can. It's going to take a while. Uh-huh. I would say four to six months uh, because in that process, you're building up your paydex score. So like, um, just like your social security number is attached to your personal report, uh-huh. your EIN number is attached to your business. Okay. Um, and then you want to get a DUNS number. And with that, uh, you're going to need a paydex score. So your paydex score is like your payment history and <clears throat> sorry. So it's like your payment history and your progress with your business profile. Okay. So if you need your paydex score to be at least an 80, that means you have to set up certain accounts and you have to build up that payment history with within your business uh-huh. um, so that, you know, it qualifies for certain business funding. But in my opinion, I think you should make sure that your personal profile is where it needs to be. Okay. Um, ideally, you want to have at least two credit cards that you've had for at least two or three years with at least a minimum of a $2,500 balance. Okay. Because when you apply for business funding and you have that, uh, they'll usually give you two or three times that in credit card funding uh, on the business side. So if you got two personal credit cards, $2,500 each, you say they'll give you typically two to three times. So you're talking about you can walk into a bank and possibly get ten dollars to $15,000. Absolutely. How long do you have to have those credit cards in order for you to qualify for that? Uh, it's usually like a year or two that you have them okay. on your personal side. But there are lots of funding opportunities on the business side that as long as your personal profile doesn't have like negative items, mm-hmm. you can get funding. And I'll give you an example. So like Capital on Tap, you just need to be in business six months. They look at your Experian report. Okay. Um, as long as you don't have negative items on there, you can get ten or fifteen thousand from them like pretty quickly. And that's on your personal Experian. Uh, yeah, that's okay. the thing that they look at your personal report. Um, they actually do a soft pool, so just to look at your personal Experian. And then they do the business, the funding under your business. Okay. So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to dive into because uh, with the social security number, of course, you're born and you automatically get that. Yeah. But you mentioned something about a DUNS number and a paydex. Now, I, I'm familiar with DUNS because I ran a company. So we had a profile and, you know, people can report the business and things like that that we did with them. Uh, more so my vendors, uh, they will report uh, how well we were doing right. as far as like lines of credit that they would ex- extend us. But talk to me about the, was it Paydex score? Right. Okay. So your DUNS account will show, well, basically, so you give your EIN to, to DUNS, right? So they're okay. keeping track of your progress as far as like your net 30s or whomever you're doing business with. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you build up the history, you're paying things on time, you, you eventually get a Paydex score. Okay. So their paydex score is saying, hey, this person is doing what they're supposed to do. They're uh, eligible or they should be eligible for you to extend credit to them. So you, you want your paydex score to be over an 80. Okay. Um, so as long as you're doing good business, uh, you're paying things on time, you shouldn't have a hard time hitting that. But okay. it does take a couple months. Got it. Got it. OK, so so let's do two scenarios. Okay. Uh, let's take the scenario where you have someone who credit personal credit isn't good and they want to start a company and they want to get business funding. Uh, how do they go? And then on the other side, let's take somebody who has a, you know, a great credit score uh, in the business and they want to start a business, but they haven't started yet. What avenues would each one of these people take to be able to get funding and then kind of give me an idea of what they can expect? How much money could they get? Okay, so in the first scenario, if you your personal credit isn't up to par, but 
you're saying you already have an established business? Or no, neither one of them have the business. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, for me, it always starts with personal credit. Like, get okay. your personal credit in order. Like, and really, I think the important thing to understand is that nothing on that thing is permanent, like on your credit report. Like, every anything that's on there can actually be removed. Okay. Now, does that mean that the debt goes away? <laughs> yeah. No, like it's not a magic trick. Like uh-huh. you have to understand that. But um, anything that's on your personal credit can be removed, and I'm, I mean, like bankruptcy, like anything can be removed from your report. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but how? Because I hear that all the time. I hear like, man, you can take these things off your credit report, and I'm thinking, but you actually have that debt. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not a magic trick. I'm not okay. saying that the debt, the debt or alleged debt is going away. Okay. But, okay, so the FCRA, um, the Fair Reporting Credit Act, okay. requires okay. that the information on your credit report is accurate. Okay. Now, if you were, from as far as bankruptcy is concerned, if you were to look at a credit report of someone that has bankruptcy, it'll say, so like for here... It'll say um, U.S. Bankruptcy Court, Memphis, something, something. And then it'll be like whatever your bankruptcy number is. Okay. And then if you take the step of sending a letter to that bankruptcy court and asking, do you report to um, the credit reporting agencies, they're going to send you back a letter that says no. Okay. So they're sending you back a letter that says no, but your report says they reported it. Mm. That's inaccurate information because they weren't the ones that reported that. Gotcha. And according to the FCRA, inaccurate information has to be removed. Gotcha. Okay. So if they don't report, why did they report? I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) They don't. So, okay, let's start with how how the information is reported and verified because- If let's say you have something on your credit report and you're like, man, I need to get this removed because I want to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So you send a dispute to Experian. Experian's okay. like, all right, well, we're gonna have to verify this information. So Experian doesn't actually verify anything. They outsource that. Oh, so okay. um, there are various smaller companies like um, LexisNexis, which holds bankruptcies, judgments, liens. Um, there's Innovis who holds late payments, um, student loans, like all these other companies hold this data. Okay. Um, and so like if the route for bankruptcy, so LexisNexis has the bankruptcy information. Okay. You can, <clears throat> you can disrupt that, that communication. So if their goal is to verify the information, mm-hmm. they're not going to do it themselves. They're going to ask LexisNexis. LexisNexis gets bankruptcy information from a system called PACER, which is actually a public system. Okay. So it's not like the information isn't out there. Okay. But you have to truthfully say where you received it from, and the credit report agencies are going to do that. Mm. And so, I mean, there's just loopholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, like, does it mean you don't owe the debt? Does it mean you need to stop paying on your bankruptcy or whatever arrangement you have? But you can get it removed from your report. Okay. So that's interesting. So these credit bureaus, Experian and the other uh, two, uh, which are... Um, TransUnion and Equifax. TransUnion Equifax. So they're not actually holding this information. They are just like going out and researching pretty yeah, much. they're paying and so, somebody else to research it. Wow. And so, but they, they have the reports. 
And if the person did the research, didn't do it accurately, then they're responsible for taking it right. off. Okay, so I understand a little bit better now. So I know like a lot of people have like late payments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How do you get around that? Is that the same kind of system? It has to be reported correctly or how, how do you work around the, the late payment situation? Well, honestly, sometimes late payments are hard to prove um, because different credit card companies have different windows as far as what is late. Like some people have a seven day grace period. Some people mm. have, some companies have a 10 day grace period. Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, they don't know. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes late payments are are being able to be removed because of billing errors, because there's so many gaps in communication mm-hmm. um, that they're pretty easy to get removed as well. Yeah. So when you think about uh, the accuracy of reporting, on average, how inaccurate is it? Like. It's extremely inaccurate. Yeah. And even now, um, actually in the last 12 months, all three of those companies have had data breaches. Wow. So if you wanted to get something removed, this is the perfect time because okay. they're in the hot seat. They, they've they exposed your personal data, which I can't say that for every person. There's a way yeah. to, um, especially for Equifax, this is their second data breach within a small amount of time. So... They have a system you can actually look up and see if you've been exposed. I've yeah. never met a person that hasn't been. Yeah. Um, and that's your opportunity to get things removed because they're in the hot seat. They don't want to get sued. They're actually sending checks out to people right now. Yeah. Um, to try to get you to settle. Mm-hmm. So, so it's perfect time for people to get in touch with you. Time. Yeah. That's that's cool. Data breaches, wow. You would think these big companies will have a little bit more protection than this said the second time that you know of that they've been breached. Well, they had a data breach in 2017 and then they just had one last year. But honestly, I don't think it's it's almost kind of intentional. Like you mm. do things until you know you're gonna get caught. Okay. So if they're making Supposedly, I guess, if they're making (laughs) millions of money off of like selling your data and then you all of a sudden get in trouble and it's like, oh, we got caught with the data breach. Now it's like, all right, let's do the settlement. And then in a couple of years, it's, oh, there's another data breach. So, golly. Yeah. Okay. So, personal credit wise, what do you um, tell your clients that personal credit, this is where you need to be? You hear, 680, you hear 700, you hear 720. Like, what is the ideal credit personally that you need to go get business funding? Well, I think the first misnomer is that you need a certain score. Like, really, you want to focus on your credit profile. Your okay. credit profile needs to be strong. So, if 30, the, the biggest bucket on your credit report is your payment history. That's 35% of your score. Okay. You want to make sure you don't have any late payments. Okay. Um, the next bucket is utilization. That's 30% of your score. Okay, yeah, the I hear ru- that a lot. Yeah, so the rule of thumb is usually to keep it under 30%. I tell my clients to keep it under 10%. Okay. Um, because that alone could blow up your whole score. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of consultations I was having right after COVID was about utilization because people didn't have jobs. They were living off credit cards. So they were maxing them out. Mm -hmm. So then we're having conversations on strategy about how can you pay this down? You know, let's make this, make sure this doesn't go into collections. Let's make sure you're at least paying the minimum. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the score right now. Let's just put together a plan so that you can get back on track. But really your profile is like the biggest part. You want to make sure that your payments are on time. Okay. Um, 
and that you have a decent mix of installment as well as revolving credit. So your revolving is really like your credit card. Your installment okay, okay. would be like an actual just loan. Gotcha. Yeah. So 30% utilization, 30% payment history. 35% payment history. 35% yeah. payment history. And then you said something about um, revolving credit. What is that percentage of the, the credit score? Um, so the credit mix is 10%. But okay. um, the the biggest parts is really just making sure you pay it on time and making sure you can control your utilization. Like age is also a component, which is okay, 10%. Okay. Um, which is why I tell people, like, if you're going to apply for things, let's try to keep it all together because mm -hmm. if you apply in six months and then you apply a year from now, you, you like, you're reducing the age of your report. Oh, um, okay, okay. But that's also, as far as age, like, that's also a conversation I have with people that are saying, um, I want to remove my student loans from my credit report. Again, mm -hmm. it's possible. I've done it. It yeah. doesn't mean that the debt does not exist. Yeah, Whatever yeah. payment arrangements or deferment, you have, like, you still need to respect those. Mm -hmm. But, um, like, I had a guy that wanted to buy a house. He mm -hmm. went to law school. His student loans were, like, oh weighing goodness. down yeah. his debt-to-income ratio. So it looked like he just owed all this money, which, I mean, technically he did because yeah. he was still paying on his student loans. But, like, it's hindering him from being able to do other things. So just... Looking at that, deciding, do you want to remove the student loan Yeah. so it'll look like, hey, I am actually making decent money. I can't afford to purchase a home. Um, but also with the age of your report, a lot of people are like, oh, just take my student loans off. But the issue that also comes with that is because the age of your report is important, most people's oldest account on their credit report is their student loan. Okay. So it's like, if I remove that... You don't have a lot of age on your report. Okay, okay. So uh, it's really just making a decision. Because if you've made, like, tons of late payments, sometimes it is just worth yeah. removing it and okay. just continuing okay. to make the payments. So Yeah. And I know that's a lot of people falling in that category. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm i one of the few that didn't finish school. I went to school for uh, two years. So my student loan debt was, like, $9,000. Okay. So I was able to pay it off pretty quickly. But I have friends that have... 200,000, yeah. 150,000 in student loans. And then you also hear that it really don't affect because most people have it, uh, student loan debt. So is that a myth that student loan really don't affect the credit score or it, it does? It doesn't affect the score. I wouldn't worry about it affecting the score as much unless you have a lot of late payments. Mm -hmm. If you have late payments, yeah, it could ding your score. Gotcha, gotcha. But if it's just the there amount. and you're just making payments, not... Not as much. Um, but like I said, if you want to purchase something and they're looking at how much debt you have, mm -hmm. then that's a conversation. Okay. So going back to the scenario with the two people, one with, with bad credit, one with decent credit, trying to start a business or to get business funding, um, what would be those steps uh, that you say that they should take? I know you said that we got to get... Did you mention how much what their credit score should be or you said just don't worry about that right now? Um. Well, I... I guess ideally people want to get a 700 credit score, but okay. to me, you can get the 700 credit score, but make sure that your profile is in order. So make sure you're making those on-time payments that uh, your utilization is where it needs to be because credit, your credit score can, can actually be manipulated. Like okay. I can take somebody to a 700 and it's really just because of trade lines. So they're just um, yeah, I heard about that piggybacking too. off somebody else's credit. But okay. when a bank looks at that, they're like, okay, this isn't your payment history. This is somebody else's. Okay. So okay. they can actually see through that, and then you could still not get the loan. Um, but to circle back, 
yeah, ideally you want to have a 700 credit score, but you also want to make sure you have a really strong profile okay. um, to get as much funding as possible. So if you have the solid profile, even mm-hmm. if you have a new business, you can still get like fifty to $100,000 if you're communicating wow. with the right banks. Um, quite a few banks do like 0% um, interest, okay. like 18 to 24 months. Okay. Um, I will, and I tell this to clients all the time, know what you're going to do with the money before yeah. you get into this because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's easy to be like, oh my God, now I have $60,000. Mm-hmm. What do I do? No, have a plan <laughs> yeah. before you get the money because you can get yourself in a jam. Yeah. You got to service quickly. the debt. Right. Okay. Okay. So typically how long does it take for someone that has bad credit to build up the profile? And then when you walk into that bank, once the profile is good and you are bankable, um, typically, what was I going to ask you with it? I think I was going towards uh, how long does the like the approval process take? Is that a it's long quick. process? Okay. No, it's quick. Like, um, and what all do you have to have once you walk into that bank? I know you said you you got to have the, the business set up correctly, mm-hmm. but is there any other documents that you need to walk in there with? Well, um, so let me go back to what was the first question? So. Typically, how long does it take? Okay, and so then I think what I was really trying to communicate was what is that process once you get into the bank to be able to qualify? Okay. So um, fixing, getting your credit where it needs to be, it could take three months. It could take six months. Really okay. depends on what you have on your profile. Not, that's not bad, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in my opinion, it's not. if Because having great credit can be life-changing. It yeah. can truly be life-changing. Um, but, like, let's say you get your profile to where it needs to be. Um, you're going into the bank. Now, the documents you need really depends on the bank you go to and the program you apply for. Okay. So, like, um, I live in Louisiana. We don't have Truist, but I noticed, like, I passed the Truist on the way here. Truist Bank? Yes. Okay, okay. So, like, they're one of the banks that have a no-docs program, which means mm. you can go in and just tell them stated income. So, you could say, I would hope you would tell the truth. Okay. But okay. you could go in and say, hey, my business made 250000 last year. And they're okay. like, all right, let me see your articles uh, of corporation for mm-hmm. your business. Give me your EIN number. And then you can get that business on. And there are quite a few banks that have no doc programs. Wow. Um, and then there's some that don't. And you have to jump through a bunch of hoops okay. uh, to get a business on. So it really depends on which bank you, you approach. Stated income. That's interesting. And they don't verify that at all. Nope. Wow. Because in some cases, usually if you just go into a bank, they're going to ask you for um, your tax, tax information. Return. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no doc programs, they don't ask for any of that. Is there a sweet spot that businesses uh, that you see if a business is making a certain amount of money uh, that would allow them to get more funding? Of course, I know the more the more you're making, the better. Yeah, but um, the people that I talk to the most on average are are getting between fifty to one hundred thousand. Now there are programs mm. where you can get like two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. Um, interest rates are high. Okay. So that's something that you want to be uh, cautious of. But I think that fifty to one hundred thousand is pretty obtained. That's game changing. Because when I started my, my screen printing company, I literally bootstrapped it. Yeah. Whatever I sold, I reinvested back into the business. And for the longest, I think I ran the company for almost seven years just off of my personal income before I even considered. And then when I went in to get financing, it was a $10,000 credit card. So it still wasn't anything significant yeah. where I can purchase equipment and, and you know move the business forward in a major way. So you're saying that 
you can start a, a, a properly set the business up and walk in and possibly be getting anywhere between 50 to 100 and some thousand dollars. Yep. If yeah, that's you, game changing. Yeah, if you know which banks, which credit that's unions game to talk changing. to, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about some of your client success. Like, typically, who do you work with? Do you work with business owners? Do you typically work with people with personal credit? Like, tell me a little bit about your business. What's the name of your company also? Um, so I have I have two, actually. Um, okay. I have Southern Regime Consultants, which is actually more of credit repair. And then I have Southern Regime Ventures, which is turned into more of an educational platform because gotcha. it's um, social media posts with tips about credit. Um, like I said, I wrote two eBooks, so I sell that under there. Okay. Um, I talk a lot about consumer laws as far as violations for the FCRA mm-hmm. um, and how you can get things removed off your report. So there are several like educational items that you can purchase under there as well. Okay. Um, but I deal with the mix. So I have uh, personal credit clients that sign up under Southern Regime Consultants that really just want to get their personal profile set up. Maybe okay. they want to buy a house. Maybe they want to buy a car. Um, maybe they just need to get their personal credit set up. Yeah. Um, and then I also deal with, there's like a gray, like in between space because there are some, um, business owners that maybe they've been in business for a little while. They got hit by COVID. So now they have bad personal credit. So I work to clean up their personal credit and then make sure they get business funding. Got it. And then, um, there's actually a handful of people just like, Hey, I need to know how to get business funding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, I deal with those three categories. Okay. You said a, a buzzword that I've heard lately, which is consumer law. What, What is consumer law? I've heard that kind of buzzing around for probably the last two years. Okay. So, um, as far as the FCRA, which is the Fair Credit uh, Reporting Act, uh-huh. and then the FDCPA, which is the Fair uh, Debt Collection. It's a fair, I can't remember all of that, That's but okay. it's about fair <laughs> debt collection. Uh-huh. Um, there are violations within there that like uh, Congress put into place basically to protect consumers. Okay. Um, so knowing which law you've been violated um, can help you get things removed from your credit report. So especially like um, there's one involving uh, being misleading or okay. uh, misusing information. So if a debt collector is being shady, they're sending you things in the mail and they actually aren't in a position to collect that debt from you, mm-hmm. um, you can submit that in your dispute yeah, uh, to have that, that item removed. Yeah, I heard that uh, a lot of times that these companies sell your debt to other companies, and when they sell it, there's another loophole that you technically don't owe that person that they sold the debt to, and I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, it definitely makes sense. So um, it's funny, like the FCRA, I mean, not the FCRA, the FTC actually did this report in like 2017 about this very thing. Okay. Um, Because let's say you had a credit card with like Discover, and mm-hmm. then you don't pay it, and let's say you owe like two thousand dollars. Yeah. And then portfolio recovery comes in, and they purchase it from Discover. Mind you, originally it was two thousand dollars, right? Uh-huh. So Discover might have paid they paid pennies on a dollar. So let's say they paid thirty dollars for it. Wow. They're gonna turn around and ask you for two thousand mm-hmm. dollars plus interest. On an amount they didn't even pay for. Yeah. But the thing is, they have a difficult time proving that um, you owe them the debt. Okay. So a lot of people, they get the letter in the mail and they don't open it Mm -hmm. or they don't respond. And so you need to respond and deny that you you didn't have any uh, conversations, you haven't signed a contract or anything with portfolio recovery. Because when they purchase their debt, 
they usually purchase like invoices, which is not a valid form of debt validation. Okay. Um, what is so an invoice? Invoice, like in, in, in terms you, of like the credit world. No, no invoice. Like so, like let's say you made payments to Discover over the past five years. Okay. That's all they'll have is to try to use as proof. Okay. But okay. as far as Congress is concerned, that's not proof that the debt belonged to you. What does Congress look at as proof? Um, Congress wants to know who signed the contract. Let's see the contract. Is this the original contract? Is this still intact? Mm. Um, there's so many different things okay, that okay. need to be provided to prove that. Um, and invoices isn't one of them, but most okay. people don't know this. So they get a stack of invoices. They like, man, they got me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they don't. <laughs> so you're saying you just, you just need to call and, and say, or how do you go about, about that once you get, Capital One or whoever sells the debt, uh, and then you get uh, what's the name of the company? I said Portfolio Recovery, but it could be anybody. Okay. Yeah. So if Portfolio Recovery sends you something, what should be the steps that we should take to say, hold up, I, I haven't done business with you. I yeah. don't know who you are. So you can send them a letter and ask them to validate that you purchased this. Okay. You know, you can ask them for a floor flow to see how much they pay for it. They're not going to want to tell you that. Uh-huh. Um. There's just various questions that you can ask, but you definitely want to send them a letter saying, hey, validate that you actually own this and that this actually belongs to me. Okay. They have a difficult time doing that. Okay. Okay. So I see what you're saying. So what, what are some of the results that you've been able to get for your clients? Um, you know, I've had quite a few clients be able to go on and purchase homes. Um, okay. That's and a it helps one, to like talk to different realtors because they're like, hey, I have a client that needs this and this. Or just they just have questions because they don't understand the credit process. Okay. Um, and a lot of times I can help them or I can direct them where they can kind of do it themselves, which they benefit more like that because yeah. then they can help a family member or something of that nature. Okay. Um, but I've definitely had clients buy homes. Um, I think it's pretty cool when people respond to like my TikTok posts and they're like, yeah, yeah. oh, I got a late payment removed or I got this oh, cool. removed. Yeah. Um, because they didn't have to spend any money. But they took some value from the content that I shared. Okay. Um, so that's been pretty great. What is your what is your social media handles? Uh on TikTok is Southern underscore regime. Okay. Um on YouTube is Southern underscore regime and on Instagram is Southern Regime Consultants. Okay. So tell me about this piece you said that um the educational side of it. Do you offer I know you said you, you sell ebooks, do you offer training and things like that? So for people that want to do it themselves? Yeah, well, I offer a course for people that actually want to start a credit repair business, if that's okay. something that you're interested in. Um, and then I do have two ebooks. It's more of a do it yourself. So if you want to okay. learn the steps, and they actually come with sample letters. Uh, and then I have, it's more of an Excel setup, but it's called the Consumer Law Cheat Sheet. So okay. uh, basically, you could click on a tab, it'll have like some collection scenarios, okay. which law you could use, and then where to plug it into the letter. Okay. Um, okay. So those different items um, are usually what I talk to and people about. People can find that on your on your website. Um, yeah, but I and I can also share the links with you if you want to okay. put them in the drop down. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, how much do those courses typically cost? Uh, the course on how to start a credit repair company is nine ninety seven. Okay. Um, but those other items like the ebooks, uh, it's like twenty seven bucks. Okay, okay. Um, the cheat sheet is ninety seven dollars. And I think, like, the best part about the cheat sheet is you're not on your own. Like, people purchase it, mm-hmm. and then they kind of get off track, and they send an email, and they're like, hey, I got this and this part, but I need help with this part. Sometimes okay. we hop on the phone. 
Uh, sometimes I can answer through email, but you know, you still have some guidance in that process. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I know I've had several guests on and we've done like a promo code so that uh, the equity tab audience uh, will be able to, you know, go to your website and we can kind of track all this. Is that something we can do? Do you have the capability of doing like a promo code? Yeah, we can do that through ClickFunnels. Yeah. Okay, cool. I see. I have a ClickFunnels. I didn't know you can do promo clothes through ClickFunnels. See, I'm already learning a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so we'll set some up. Uh, I think if we can do equity tap, that'll be great. Yeah, that's great. And we'll put all that in the description. So let's go back a little bit. We jump right into the business. Tell me a little bit about your background. I know you said you're in Louisiana now, uh, and you started credit repair out of necessity. Take me a little bit back. Tell me a little bit about your story. Um, man, kind of crazy situation, but, um, I've always worked in sales and I was actually working for a company that was purchased by another company, which I probably should have saw that as a red flag. There's yeah. some craziness is about to happen, <laughs> but, um, they, I got called into a meeting and they were basically about to do layoffs. So, uh, I was one of the employees that had a company car. Okay. Um, so basically I got in the meeting, they're like, Hey, um, so we're letting go of your role yeah. and, um, you know, we're going to have to take the car and all this stuff. So the guy actually, well, the guy, my boss at the time, we had to go to enterprise Okay. because he's like, well, you're going to have to rent a car to drive home. I didn't even have a credit card because mm. my credit was horrible. Yeah. Um, and so like, if I needed something like I paid cash and so, um, he was like, well, you got to have a credit card to do this. And it's yeah. just like the the worst times is when you realize the things that you should have taken care of. Yeah. So yeah. like for me, I was in that position and I was like, man, I should have taken care of my credit like a long time ago because then I had to jump through all these hoops Okay. just to rent a car to drive home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, those lessons make you realize the steps that you need to take. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it really made me invest in myself more and okay. it kind of put me down that rabbit hole of learning as much about credit as possible. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You said that uh, once you go in and you get this funding, you need to have a plan. Typically, do you advise on things? Like if people want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't necessarily have a business. Do you? Are there plays that you can say, listen, if you go get X amount of dollars, here's something that you can do that will service, that you can activate and will service the debt? Or or maybe like what do your clients typically do when they get the, the funding? Most of the time when they come to me, they either already have a business, okay. but they have like 15 things they want to accomplish. And I'm like, uh, all right, let's narrow this down to yeah. just a few. Let's talk about how much that will cost you. And then, all right, this is what you need to target your funding for. Because if somebody comes in, they're like, oh, I want to start a business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take on that responsibility of telling them to do this, this, and this. Gotcha. And I know we were talking before, um, like there are trendy things right now, right? Yeah. There's like Airbnb, there's Turo, um, there's all these things, um, Amazon, FBA, and all yeah, these yeah, that yeah. people are constantly like getting into. But <clears throat> think it through, you know, mm-hmm. have a plan before you get the money. Because once you get the money, it's so easy to like blow it on the wrong things. And then yeah. you're in debt and you're starting all over again. So I don't necessarily advise them or give them business ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if they have a list of things, I try to narrow it, help them narrow it down um, so that for one, it's, it's a little more realistic and easy, yeah, yeah. you know, they can obtain it um, and so that they can kind of budget the money properly. Okay. So scenario, <laughs> you, you're good. You get credit is good. The business is started. Uh, you have money in the bank. Uh, but you don't know anything about like funding plays that you would you, that you can utilize to really go get some significant cash to take your business to the next level. 
we talked about uh, your Duns. We talked about the, um, what was the other one? Um, I can't remember the name of You had the Duns number and then you had the- your uh, EIN number? Not EIN. It was oh, the- Oh, the uh, Paydex. Paydex. Okay. Yeah. So you want to, so you got your Duns, you got your Paydex. So now what? How do you take all of that information and then go into the bank and then what type of funding would you be looking at? Um, well, again, for one, it depends on the bank. Okay. Um, but if- if everything is aligned the way it's supposed to, I don't I don't see why you can't get a hundred thousand dollars. I don't see why you can't get, you know, two or three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars if everything is properly aligned the way it's supposed to be. Um, I know like for me before I started in business, I was like, man, like it's hard to get money. It's like, yeah. how do you do it? And now uh-huh. I'm on the other side and I'm like, man, finding the money is easy is yeah, actually yeah. easy. Um I know some people listening like that's not the easy part. <laughs> but it took it took me a long time to get there. And a lot of it was um, networking, asking the right questions. Yeah. And honestly, you'd be surprised the things that you learn on YouTube. Now, you got to do some homework because some people just say random things. Yeah, it's a lot of but, information. Um, there's, there's a lot of money out there. Now, what I haven't uh, gotten into as much as grants, so I'll learn more about grants this okay, year. Okay. Um, but, yeah, business funding is out there. You just... You gotta know how to play the game yeah. a little bit. Look, you say it with so much ease, but I know there's entrepreneurs that, you know, it's like, man, I've tried this. I've, you know, went into these banks and they looked at me like I was crazy. They didn't give me any money and things well, and like I, that. I think a part of that is thinking that you need to have an actual loan. There okay. are, like I said, there are credit cards you can get with 18 with uh, eighteen to 24 month no interest. Okay. The understanding is, what are you going to do with that money? Mm-hmm. And how can you make the profits you need to make to pay that card off? Okay. But if you, all right, so if you apply for one of those uh, credit cards and you get a $20,000 limit and you liquidate that card, right? So you take the $20,000 off. Uh, And I will say one of the benefits to um, the business side of credit as far as uh, utilization is it doesn't matter. Okay. So while on your business credit, I mean, on your personal credit, if you... Blow if you max out a credit card, mm-hmm. it blows up your credit score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you max out a business credit card, it doesn't matter because nobody's looking at your utilization. So as okay. long as you're paying it back, you've just really supplied yourself with a twenty thousand dollar loan because mm. you liquidated that credit card. You yeah, just yeah, need yeah. to make sure you make the minimum payments. Okay, okay. Um, so like I said, the money's there. So if you miss the the payments on it, do they then report it to your personal? So each bank is different okay. uh, because each credit card is different. So that's a conversation that you want to have with your bank because um, sometimes they report it, sometimes they don't. And like American Express has like all these forgiveness programs. So like Hmm. let's say you got 90 days behind, you could say, hey, well, can I get on the forgiveness program? And then they'll like lower your interest rate and then they'll give you maybe a year to three okay. years, you negotiate that with them to just pay that down. And okay. they'll they'll be like, well, you can't apply for any more American Express cards until you address this. But they're they're usually willing to work with you on it. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I've heard scenarios and, and seen situations where people get in these debts and they may not have known that you they have these forgiveness programs. Do a lot of the major credit card companies have that? Uh, I know for a fact American Express does because I've okay. had clients that I've had to kind of yeah. talk into it. <laughs> um, but I believe Bank of America has it as well. So it's really just 
the thing is we get in debt and then we don't, it's, a, it's, it's like shameful. So then you yeah, don't yeah. want to ask for help when really you need to have a conversation with their mm-hmm. bank or their credit card holder. Say, hey, this is my situation. Yeah, I can do this, this and this. Can you work with me? And most mm-hmm. of the time they will because they want their money. Yeah. See, we just in our culture, we haven't necessarily been educated on the proper ways of doing it. Because, you know, we grew up, don't you answer that phone? You know, <laughs> don't you answer it? You know, because we're dodging the debt yeah. collector. So what you're saying is communicating things like that, like that ain't what we were taught. So right. that, that's interesting to know that these options are available to us and you don't have to run from these debts. Talk to these folks. You can communicate with them. Yeah, This has been an amazing conversation. Like my head is spinning. I've learned so much because... I see the pe- I see people talk about man come do credit repair. I see this, and then you hear the horror stories as well, yeah. where people have been you know burned by people that do like credit repair, mm-hmm. or people sell you these big dreams, tell you what they can do, and they you pay them and they deliver, but the results aren't you know as good as what they said, yeah. and, and it just it, it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. But you know you've added a lot of clarity to. Uh, I know a lot of questions that I've had about you know credit, uh, and I've. I've been in a situation where I've kind of been fortunate where I've had a business, an asset that's always produced income. So I haven't had to necessarily go play with a lot of credit, but I realize now if I knew what I, what you're telling me, how much faster I could have grew my business, it it, would have changed the game for me. Well, I don't even, I don't think like, um, like the younger generation, I'm not like super old, obviously, but the younger generation doesn't realize like how great that they have it to like have yeah. access to like earn your leisure and things of that nature. Yeah. Because like when I was in college and like I went to University of Tennessee, it was like you okay. walk down to the stadium and they're like, oh, you want to sign for a credit card? You get a yeah. t-shirt and the t-shirt is like five sizes bigger and you can't even <laughs> wear it. And you just like handed somebody your social, yeah. which I think they can't do that now. It's like predatory something. Okay. But... <laughs> Um, we just didn't know, we didn't know, and we didn't understand yeah. and the value of credit. And now I think uh, financial literacy is starting to be a lot more at the forefront, especially in our community. Yeah, so now yeah. we're really starting to grasp the information. Yeah, technology is, has definitely closed the wealth gap, or technology has exposed us to information that can allow us to close the wealth yeah. gap. So you just got to do your due diligence. You got to reach out to individuals that have the, the credibility, have the systems in place to be able to help you. Hey guys, listen, if you've gotten a lot out of this conversation, I need you to do me a favor. Subscribe to the channel if you like this content and you want to continue to get more content like this. I'm going to drop Kalea's all of her information in the description. If you guys are looking to learn how to do personal credit, hit the link, subscribe to her channels, make sure that you purchase her ebook book that'll teach you guys how to, you know, start repairing your credit and things like that. Uh, and with that being said, Clay, I'm going to kick it back to you. Any advice that you have, any, uh, you know, tips, tricks that you can give, you know, entrepreneurs to kind of help them with their credit and also be sure to leave them with your information. Okay. Uh, first, I would say, look at your credit report. So often I talk to business owners and they're just like, yeah, I got one or two collections and it ends up being eight. And it's not like they're purposely saying the wrong thing. They just don't know. They're not looking at the report. So definitely look at your report, see what's on there. If you have questions, you can reach out to me or reach out to somebody. Just find out what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, Next, look at your business profile. You know, are you in a high risk? Do you maybe need to change your business name? Because sometimes... I have to recommend that to people. You might need to DBA it as something else. Um, Mm. Make sure you have an EIN. 
don't let anybody charge you for an EIN. It's actually free on the IRS website. There are websites that charge you for that. I don't wow. know why. Um, look at Dunn's. Uh, Dunn's will sell you multiple services. You don't need them. You really mm. just need the Dunn's number. That is also free. Um, what else do we got there? So, oh, the Paydex is really something that you, I would, I would say look it up. Okay. Um, just so that you understand it a little bit better. But you're really going to get to that paydex by paying paying your bills on time, uh, building the right relationships with certain banks and opening accounts um, to make your business profile as strong as possible. Cool. Listen, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know you you drove down to visit family and, and you were gracious enough to take the time out of your busy schedule to come on to the show and, and give a massive amount of game to our viewers. So I appreciate Listen, I know there's going to be a lot of questions. Next time you're in town, if schedule allows, can I get you back on the show oh, and maybe absolutely. answer some of these questions? Absolutely. Cool deal. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.